I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and welcome to Church Online. If this is your first time watching us, we'd love to hear from you. Just leave a comment or a like, and let us know that you're watching. And also, if you need anything, you can always visit us at lifechurchutah.com, and we'd love to be able to pray with you about anything. If you'd like to participate in giving today, you can do so by texting the word LCGIVE to the number on the screen. Once again, thank you for watching Church Online here at Life Church Utah. God bless. So last week we discovered the purpose of prayer, and I'm going to invite you to uh, turn your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 11, and uh, we're going to be bouncing around quite a bit today in the scripture as uh, we're digging through, uh, through a number of things here. So last week we discovered the purpose of prayer and how we can be confident when we pray. Now, the great thing is, uh, as well, I, I talked to a few folks this past week who said that they are, uh, there's a, a growing confidence in their lives, in their own prayer life, uh, just, after, uh, just after last week. And it's not because of a message, it's because uh, they're putting into action the things that God is speaking to them uh, during the Sunday morning. And so we can come to a service on a Sunday morning, and it's just a lecture. How many of you like lectures? I'm not a big fan of lecture-style learning, and unfortunately, that's how the church is kind of designed, a lecture-style. Uh, but I believe what happens after the service is probably more important important because that's when God has an opportunity to take those things that you've heard and put them into action into your own life. And so I want to encourage you, just like these folks that I talked to, uh, that have a growing confidence in, uh, in their prayer life and really seeing God and they're remembering ways that God has moved in their life through the years and bring those things back up and it's building their confidence. And so I'm just excited about that. Um, we learned last week that God is a consistent, a close, and a caring father. And uh, so that our prayers can be expanded, enlarged, and our confidence grows really in, in, uh, in our faith as we learn to, uh, to love the Lord more and learn to uh, turn more over to him. And I'm super excited about this, and I'm believing you <laughs> for more incredible stories of what God is doing. So if God is moving in your life, uh, don't keep that story to yourself. If you're part of a life group, tell your leader. If you're not part of a life group, call the church office. We would love to celebrate with you all the good things that God is doing. Now, how many of you know that we learn in a variety of ways? We all learn very differently uh, sometimes from one another. Uh, there, are, there are really kind of four basic big ways that we learn, and uh, one of those is uh, many of us are, um, are sight learners. We, we learn by the things that we see, and that's kind of my realm. I enjoy seeing, and I learn uh, from that engage the eyes, goes right to the brain and able to learn uh, that way. Uh, there are um, some of you who are auditory learners. You learn by listening, and that's, that's the biggest connection that you have um, in your own life is, in learning is being able to, uh, to hear something, listen to it, and that's where that process begins. For some of you, this is a word, uh, kind of a strange one, but kinesthetic. All right, kinesthetic learning is you have action associated with learning. Now, kids' church is great at this at different times. How many of you still remember uh, like motions to songs if you were part of like a kid's church when you were very young? Why do you remember those things? Because that's kinesthetic learning and you have repeated motions that help you remember uh, certain things. And then the last group is uh, the reading writing group. These are the folks that read the directions before they start pushing buttons. How many of you are like that? You read the directions before? Okay, how many, real quick. Um, first of all, how many of you still have a VHS player? And it's still flashing 12 o'clock. 
Anybody? <laughs> right? You're obviously not the learners uh, that learn from the, uh, the reading and writing, right? You're the ones trying to push all the buttons and then you gave up at some point. Read the directions. It's a good thing, just like Ikea. <laughs> and uh, so within this learning preference, we can also learn um, by, uh, by being invited to participate. In any of these ways to learn, we get invited in, uh, versus being told what to do. How many of you love just being told what to do? I'm not in that category. I'd rather kind of uh, join folks in learning and let's figure out how to do this thing and then kind of grow from there. And so that's why prayer is so interesting to me. And certainly over these six weeks, uh, total five weeks left in our series, More Than Words, uh, we all interact with God in different ways. God speaks to us in different ways. It's not all a cookie cutter in the way that God works and deals with us. And prayer is exactly the same way. So there's ways that uh, some of you connect with God through prayer that might be different than the way that I would connect uh, with God through prayer. And I think Jesus gets this. And so one day, uh, many, many years ago, the disciples were talking to Jesus, and uh, they, they were watching him pray. You ever watched somebody pray before? Not in a creepy sort of way, <laughs> okay? But you watch somebody pray that you go, they know how to get a hold of God. They know how to make things happen in the heavenly realms. And so they were watching one day Jesus praying, and maybe it was because whenever Jesus prayed, there would be miracles, uh, maybe it was whenever Jesus prayed, there would be, uh, you know, incredible responses of crowds or the people would, uh, would find themselves surrendering to Christ. Whatever it was, they saw it and they realized we need to learn something from this master of prayer. So they're intrigued by Jesus' prayer life and on this particular day, this interaction unfolds. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, I love it, one of them. <laughs> you just get, okay, there's 12 disciples typically, and many more people often followed around, but they're like cajoling. Have you ever had to do that before? We're just kind of like trying to push one person to finally ask that question you're not sure if you should ask. That's kind of what's happening here with the disciples. They're kind of pushing one of them. Finally, one of them asks the question and says, Lord, teach us to pray. Or teach us to pray. Jesus might have been surprised by them because the disciples were not known for being the brightest on the block. They often kind of put their foot in their mouth. There were uh, seasons of their life when they made uh, poor decision after poor decision after poor decision. And here they are asking a question. I think Jesus was potentially blown away by this question. And so what we're going to do is we're going to jump to Matthew's version. So right after in Luke chapter 11, if, you, if you're there, you can see that there's a version of the Lord's Prayer. might not be quite as familiar. So we're going to jump to Matthew. So if you want to turn over to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches them this prayer. It's a prayer that's been familiar to the church for uh, centuries, right, really for millennia. And I'm going to invite all of us to stand to our feet real quick, and we're going to repeat this prayer uh, together. I think it's important sometimes to hear other folks kind of joining us in prayer. And so it starts off in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. It says, this then is how you should pray. And key on that word how, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. This then is how you should pray. And why don't you, uh, everybody repeat after, not repeat after me, repeat with me um, together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's some good stuff, isn't it? That's an awesome prayer, man. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining in with that. And you can be seated. Thanks. So for the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, 10 different steps that Jesus kind of has within this Lord's Prayer. I think it's very important that we understand one thing at the outset. When Jesus begins teaching his disciples, um, he didn't say, this is what you should pray. There's actually a difference between what and how. This isn't, uh, so Jesus wasn't saying, this is what you should pray, as if this is the only thing you should ever pray. That this is the only, uh, the, the only way to connect with God is specifically through this set of words. He says, this is how you should pray. So it's almost like Jesus is giving us a model by which we can model our prayer life after when we begin to understand some of the things that Jesus is potentially telling us and saying to us. I think Jesus was inviting the disciples to listen to what he was saying in this prayer and then giving some creative leeway for the disciples to now interpret that prayer and say, how does this apply to our lives? How do we then apply this to the everyday uh, bit of our lives? It's kind of like teaching our children. How many of you, real quick, have children? Raise your hand real quick. All right, pretty good. That's not so bad. I'm glad you know you have children. That's great. Um, if we teach our children what to do, that's one thing. But if we teach our children how to do something, trust can build that they're going to continue to make wise choices, right? So think of uh, this in the life of a parent. I've got two Things here. No, I'm not announcing like grandkids or something like that, okay? Um, so I have here shoes. I'm going to throw this down real quick here. Shoes. Now, those who've had children, do you remember tying your kids' shoes before school? Hopefully before they like reach junior high, right? Okay. So what would you do? There was this morning ritual that would happen uh, when, when the kids would get up and they're getting ready to run out the door and they have their, they've got their shoes on and their shoes are untied like this, right? And so what you would do, you'd sit down with them and you would go, all right, Johnny, come on. We've got to tie that shoe one more time. Come on. How, you, this is what to do right here. Tie it. Boom. Go. And you're ready to go. And off they go. What's the problem? You never do the hard work of teaching them how to tie their shoes. So what do you do? You're a good parent. I believe there must be a correlation between the way your children turn out in life and wearing Velcro shoes. <laughs> Please, parents, teach your children 
how to tie shoes because the problem is going to be they won't live in Velcro shoes. They'll get to junior high and they'll be ridiculed because <laughs> they have Velcro shoes, okay? I'm just telling you, giving you a little heads up for you parents that are young parents and got your kids kind of growing up. Learn, right? Teach them how to tie their shoes because when you do, they will learn creative ways to tie their shoes, <laughs> And they'll tie them in knots, and you have to undo them. <laughs> and then you will continue to teach them how to tie their shoes. And one day, when they're a senior in high school, <laughs> they will come back and they will say, thank you, Mom. Thank you, Dad, for teaching me how to tie my shoes. What I'm going to do is I'm going to keep these up here real quick, because I don't want you to forget don't take any shortcuts when it comes to your spiritual life, <laughs> right? Learn how to pray, not necessarily what others are doing, but learn how to pray for yourself so you don't end up with like a Velcro spiritual life, all right? We need to dig in deeper here. <laughs> all right. So Jesus, today we're going to go through five different, um, I've got both hands up, five, let's do that, five, uh, five steps uh, when it comes to our prayer life that I think Jesus kind of reveals here. Uh, step one, we start off with a prayer of connection. Prayer of connection. He says, our Father in heaven. And what this should do to us, whenever we, 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 we begin our prayer life, this is where we begin, is I remember how much God loves me. This is a fantastic place to start in your prayer life. Remembering how much God loves you. So we discovered last week that God is a caring, consistent, and close father. And building on that, uh, this first part of Jesus' prayer is one of connecting to that father. Because our God is a loving father. And I love it because Jesus doesn't, I mean, Jesus in this reveals something really awesome about God the father. Is that where is he? Our father in heaven. So our father is in a position of authority, in a place of, of absolute dominion and rule, and we have a father-child relationship with this God who loves us dearly. So we start from the point that God loves us. Sometimes we don't realize that. God loves you. God loves people in the balcony. God loves people that fall asleep in service, right? God loves the church in Tooele. God loves Iglesia Vida. God loves this congregation. God loves people that are not even in church today, right? God loves. What does the Bible say in 1 John? God is love. And so if we start with this perspective and start at this point, our Father who is in heaven, we start with God, you love me so much. Paul, in talking to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 17, he says, may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. He's challenging the church to see God's love in a new way. And may you be able to feel and understand, as all God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is. And to experience this love for yourselves. Though it is so great, you will never be able to see the end of it, nor fully know or understand it. And so at last, you'll be filled up with God himself. 
That's what God's desire is for us, isn't it? For him to fill us with himself and to show and prove his love to us. So the first stop is, or first step is this connection to God, his love, his position of authority. And the, the second step is a prayer of refocusing. A prayer of refocusing. And so Jesus says in this point to, he says, hallowed be your name. Now that's not a word we use very often, hallowed. I don't think I've ever used that in a, in a phrase outside of church, right? Um, what this word hallowed means is, uh, is holy and set apart. It's also holy other. <laughs> and in this recognition of other, what begins to happen is we begin to ascribe to God uh, boy, terms of authority over our own lives. Begin to ascribe to him this relational connection that we have with him, and we are reminded and we tell God how much we love him. So that's that second part, how much God loves us, and then secondly in our prayers, it's how much God we love you. And so God, we are putting you in that, in that high place. We're putting you, God, in that exalted place because of our love for you and a recognition that you deserve all of it. Psalm 107, verse 15, and uh, this, this uh, showing recognition and honor to God shows up often in giving thanks. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. We should be a people marked by thanksgiving. We should be a people that are marked uh, by his presence, a people marked where we can show our love for him because of what he has done in our lives. So refocusing is vital to our prayer lives, and, and this shows up often in a thankfulness towards God's unending love for us. Leads to our next step. Step three is this prayer of cooperation. Prayer of cooperation. And what Jesus says here is, your kingdom come. Basically, in this point, I'm offering my life to be used for God's purposes. And that's really what the kingdom means in many places within, uh, within the word of God is that God has a purpose and it's his kingdom to be established and ruling and reigning among us. So your kingdom come, and I love what Jesus says here. And he had every right to do this. He probably could have said, and uh, Lord, let my kingdom come because of his recognition of himself as God and his, himself as eventually ruling and reigning. But what does he do? He says, Father... Let your kingdom come. Lord, let your purposes be done in my life. It's all about God's kingdom being made real and tangible in my own life, in this place, in our community, in our places of work. It's about putting first the desires of God above my own. That God, my agenda needs to die and Lord, your agenda needs to be born within my life. Lord, let your kingdom, your purposes be born within me. So this is how God begins to show us his purposes. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And what does it say? I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. 
How comforting is that is when we come to the Lord in prayer, when our purposes are subordinated to his, what we have is a God who listens to us and a God who responds. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know, that all, um, we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into his plans. And I love this, Romans 12, 1. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. How many of you have an everyday, ordinary life? You're like, uh, sometimes I wish my life wasn't so ordinary, right? Okay, so I'm taking my everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. I love how that's worded. It's the best thing you can do for him is embracing what he has for your life. And God's kingdom is a kingdom of hope a kingdom of blessing, a kingdom of, uh, of healing, of true life and purpose. It's also a kingdom of holiness and sanctification and transformation. When we pray this prayer of cooperation, we are asking for all of those things in our life. God, I want holiness and sanctification. God, I, I need your conviction in my life. So your purpose of blessing, your purpose of bringing hope and life to uh, not only to me, but to my community, to the people around me, to my family. God, that this becomes your purpose for my life. So this act of cooperation, this prayer is something that we need to do. And, and I think Jesus is just opening this up for the disciples. Step four is a prayer of surrender. I'm gonna invite our worship team uh, to go ahead and come on up here as we close out. Step number four, prayer of surrender. And this is what Jesus says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth. And in this moment, this is where we're able to give God our victories and our struggles. I think sometimes we find it very easy to give God our struggles. Sometimes it's harder to acknowledge God's purposes and God's life within our victories in life. But I think God's asking us in every bit of our lives to give God our victories and our struggles. The word here is surrender, isn't it? Prayer of surrender. When we typically, or when we think of surrender, we typically think of it as of giving up, of, um, of losing out, of having something done to us whereby we are supposed to uh, give up our rights and give up all of that. And my, I've got my brother here today, and I'm going to tell a story about my childhood. Now, my brother's older than me, and at one point in life, he was bigger than me. <laughs> Not anymore. And, um, but here's what surrender looked like to me as probably an early teenager. I don't remember exactly when this happened, but it happened more than once. Um, we played a game. I, I, I played it unwillingly. <laughs> We played a game called 10 Serials. Have you ever heard of a game called 10 Serials? See, neither had high. <laughs> I had never heard of it before either. And so the, the, the story goes for this game uh, was my brother would pin me down because he was bigger than me. He could do this. And then he put his, his knees on my shoulder. Remember this, Mark? He put the knees on my shoulder. And then what he would do is take his knuckle and he would start like beating on the chest and say, all right, name 10 Serials. <laughs> Have you ever tried doing that before? Name 10 cereals in the moment of duress and pain. And what would happen in that moment? I would eventually have to what? Surrender. <laughs> There's no way I was going to win this thing. And I still love my brother. It's fantastic. We still love each other. And uh, you, know, you learn so many incredible spiritual things from your older brothers and sisters. It's great. 
I learned surrender. Uh, But the surrender that I'm talking about today, and I think the surrender that Jesus wants us to be aware of, is a surrender that actually brings life. Right? It's a surrender where now there's an identity with Jesus within us. There's now an identity that our lives are hidden in Christ and we are absolutely transformed from the inside out when we say, God, I surrender. That's what I love during worship. What do we do during worship? Uh, I know um, uh, Stephen encouraged us to do this at one point, to lift our hands. And I think that's a wonderful sign of surrender, isn't it? We say, God, I am looking up to you, and God, I am giving you every bit of my life because what I am doing to my life is really screwing it up. (laughs) And so, Lord, I surrender my life to you. When we surrender, it's giving up our will in recognition of God's will being bigger and better for our life. It's in surrender that we actually grow, It's in surrender that we mature in our faith. It's in surrender that we find grace and find forgiveness. It's in surrender that we truly begin living this life to the fullest. When we surrender, we position ourselves to be reliant upon him. I think this is what Jesus was asking his disciples when he says, Lord, um, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 When his life is ours, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. We see that thankfulness kind of at play again, along with giving ourselves to him. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. I love it that God is giving us permission to succeed. Sometimes I think we, we, we think that God wants us to not succeed in some sort of weird way, but God wants us to be victorious in our lives. Run in such a way that you may obtain this prize. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Folks, God does want us to be victorious. And then Jesus himself in this position of surrender, of exchanging his life for God's life within him, Uh, He saw the cross. He saw the cross and the price that it would be for him. And what does he pray in Mark chapter 14? He says, Abba, by the way, that's a a very like intimate intimate phrase for father. So uh, there's this intimacy there. He says, Abba, father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. The cup he's talking about is the death on the cross. So think about the agony that Jesus is going through in this moment. Take this cup from me. God, this is too much, Father, for me to bear. But what does he end with? Yet not my will, but yours. I know in my life there have been difficult moments and circumstances, and that's a tough prayer to pray. It's the prayer of surrender. Say, God, not my will. Lord, I would like to be out of this situation. God, I would like to be uh, beyond this struggle in my life. Yet, God, not my will, but yours be done. God, I surrender myself to you. And the final step, step five, is this idea of a prayer of dependence. So we have that surrender, and then we have this moment now where it's a prayer 
of dependence. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, this also helps me realize uh, that Jesus is giving a pattern for prayer and not necessarily saying, this is what you should pray every time. Um, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus understands that um, we don't live on bread alone, right? Uh, I got a, a loaf of bread from somebody today. I'm super excited about a homemade bread. I cannot wait. But what would happen to me if I lived on bread alone? I would become robust, <laughs> right? Okay, because what happens, I mean, if we live on that bread alone, and so I know that Jesus is telling us something much more than give us this day our daily bread, literally, although that's part of it. Here's the trust. I trust God to meet all of my needs. All of my needs. Are there needs in your life? I've got a few <laughs> I can think of right now. Jesus says to trust the Father that he will meet all of your needs. Sometimes our needs are actually wants, and we get that, and there are times when we don't feel that our needs are answered, and yet when we start looking down and we've surrendered our lives, we realize that eh, those needs are more wants in my life. Lord, I need a 75-inch TV, <laughs> right? Because I need to be able to see that, you know, whatever, okay? And God says, no, 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 no. You don't need that. But what I will provide for you is something different. I'll provide hope in your life. I'll provide an answer for a reconciliation that needs to happen between husband and wife. And provide in your life help in that area of your life that you've committed and surrendered to me. I'm going to provide for you every day. Philippians chapter 4, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Then how many of you worry among, among us? Any worriers among us, right? You've heard this verse, it always drives you nuts, and you're angry that it's in the Bible, but it's in there nonetheless. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And we can all say amen to this. Each day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> and so God says, turn to me, surrender, and wait and see what I will do in meeting your needs. Abundantly, every single day, I will meet the needs in your life. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet here as we close out. Um, last week, uh, I challenge you, so if you weren't here last week, this challenge now is for you today. Uh, I challenge you to think about a, a need or a circumstance in your life that is overwhelming. Uh, maybe you feel like you brought it before the Lord many, many times, and I was encouraging you one more time over these next six weeks, make it a focus of prayer. Make it something that you're saying, God, every day I'm going to bring this to you. And so if you weren't here last week, maybe there's a circumstance in your life, a, a battle that you have fought for years, a habit in your life, you're like, God, I've got to break this. Be able to take it to the Lord and say, God, this is a need in my life. I need you to work miraculously within me. And I would say that uh, it'd be safe to say that we all have needs here today. So can you do me a favor? 
If you've got a need in your life, something that you're saying, God, I need you to come through on my behalf. I've already mentioned a bunch of them, and there might be a, a, a million other things that are going on in your life. And say, I need God to show up in my life this week. If there's a need in your life, can you just lift your hand really quickly? Now look around, folks, all these hands that are raised. We are in the same boat together. And the great thing is, is when we've surrendered ourselves to him, we present these things to him. What does he say? I will provide for you. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.